Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Quirky Corporate Chicks podcast. We are your hosts, Dana Foster and Sherry Hayes, corporate life coaches in private practice. We focus on people who are following their passions and how their lives have been impacted. Real stories, real entrepreneurs, and lots of laughter as we look at where life has taken us. So today, Sherry is very excited about our guest. So I'm going to go ahead and let her introduce him. Oh, uh, apparently I caused quite a stir on the internet, um, but uh, that's good. Uh, we are here today with John Aquaviva, uh, legendary record label head, DJ, producer, but um, we want to talk to him uh, today about his technology fund and his journey as an entrepreneur. So welcome, John. Yes, uh, welcome. Pl- Pleasure to be here. I uh, go to all lengths of the world to meet interesting characters. So two quirky corporate chicks uh, work perfectly for me. <laughs> oh, be still my heart. Fantastic. So John, what, um, why don't you give our listeners just a little bit of background about your, you know, your history and how you ended up where you're at right now with this equity? Sure. I, I, I think given the context that we're, we've got this kind of corporate and business angle, although I think we, we like to kind of uh, cover all sides, I, I certainly do. I've always had music as a passion, uh, be, becoming a number one DJ at, at the age of 19 while, while going to school. I think at the time I was in engineering, but I, I ultimately got a degree in math and stats. And I like to say at least, um, well, to the chagrin of my parents, I'm the first in my generation to go to university. But uh, the amusement of my my uh, yeah. my professional friends, I basically ran off to join the circus instead of pursue a degree um, and follow my dream and and passion. I I don't recommend it to anyone. In my case, I, I guess uh, sometimes <laughs> I made out to be a poster child, but uh, you know uh, I I somehow survived myself. And and then in a roundabout way, ironically, I was a DJ when. I should have been a banker because it wasn't cool to be a DJ. And then when everyone wanted to become a DJ, I, well, decided to become a banker. So I'm, <laughs> I'm clearly conflicted and confused. And if anything, uh, I guess the nice way is like sometimes uh, I've always been a bit of an iconoclast. I turn the corner or, you know, by, by the time I climb a little hill or a mountain, I'm always thinking getting on another one. So that's a very general sort of context uh, for maybe our conversation. Yeah, no, I th- well, you could consider yourself, maybe you're just a trendsetter, you know, you're just staying ahead of the curve on things. Well, yeah, if you will. I think I failed in the Andy Warhol thing. I may have had that 15 <laughs> minutes of fame. I just never got to the top and, and tried to hold on to it forever and kept repeating myself. I think pop culture, or a lot of the times we, we spend all our lives trying to find something that works. Uh, those of us ser- who are serial entrepreneurs, uh, maybe a little different, but sometimes people have one idea. Um, if they can even make it happen, when it, yeah, make it happen. You want to hold on to it for dear life. Uh, uh, for me, I, uh, once I finally kind of built something with a dear friend and uh, look, think of him as a brother, Richie Houghton, we came together and, and, and made it uh, at the same time in the world um, uh, coming together to start a techno label called Plus 8 and, and techno having become a, a mainstay of electronic music. Uh, it was tough when we sort of, split up after 10 years and i think a lot of entrepreneurs go through this you finally have an idea you bring it to reality and sometimes the reality actually is 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 a successful one and then i had to let it go but after i let that first one go then uh, i was able to do more but boy that was tough i i think i was paralyzed for a long time so uh, these are classic themes now that um, i've done a few 
you know, people have an idea, careful what you wish for, don't run off to join the circus. If you're talented, don't quit your day job, right? You know, do a hobby. So, I mean, when I talk to graduating classes, I, I, I pepper all my comments with a lot of reality and, and cautiousness. Um, although, uh, you know, um, do as I say, not as I do, I decided to jump into the deep end. Uh, the current can drown a lot of people. Uh, luckily, uh, we, we turned out to be pretty good swimmers. So I like to use metaphors. and Hopefully, you'll get, get through my riddles. So I, I have a quick question. So I heard you say that, you know, it was really tough to let that go. Uh, what specifically was it? Was it uh, was it an emotional piece, or what? Can you be more specific about why that was? Uh, yeah, actually. Um, so, um, it, it, Rich is one of the three biggest relationships of my life. So I, I put business and personal. So it was. Uh, uh, so Rich, I met Rich about the same time I met what was to be my wife, uh, Carla, and uh, Rich is the first guy I sort of divorced amicably. And then the third guy, a person is uh, Rishi Patel, who came in later, and, and, and the fund, I think we'll we maybe cover that later on. And so with Rich, uh, it was like the two musketeers, all for one and one for all, except it was never you know, even. But for 10 years, we built, and we, we kind of pushed each other up that ladder, um, really a meritocratous or a, a climb. And we were never at the same time, but we, we, we would leapfrog ahead of each other and like, come on, come up with me. So Rich and I are pretty uh, unusual in that uh, often uh, it's very rare that two people end up succeeding and then still go their own way. So the, 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 the honest consideration, uh, to be frank, uh, uh, I could argue, and still to this day, um, Rich is, embody, is the embodiment of techno. I often say he's like the David Bowie of our generation, but if for people who are vaguely or quite familiar with techno, Rich is hands down the prince, king, whatever you want to say, a techno. Um, I could argue that I'm the guy who built the company a little bit more than Rich. Um, so for me, imagine I'm the guy who built the company. My, my partner's more famous. You know, what's left for me? You know, this was maybe the only thing I could ever do. So it took me years of like, you know, shit, uh, Rich, Rich and I need to divorce. But, you know, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know, uh, like I'm techno, but I'm not techno. So letting go of, of that, trying to understand what I had done or what I could do, given that that was the only thing I was known for. Yeah, I went on to be a successful DJ and did not do um, techno parties per se. Yeah, I had a, a house label. But really, the, the tip of that iceberg was Rich and I were, were the guys who brought techno to the world for the most part, or some of the main guys. And I'm selling the company I built. And I'm like, fuck, can I ever do anything again? Yeah. You know, it's already hard enough. Uh, the numbers are very few people with an idea bring their business to reality. And I had brought my business to reality and to success. Mm -hmm. And could I do it again? You know, there, those are a lot of soul searching moments where you look in the mirror day after day and it's like, you know, what do I have in me to do it again? Of course we have confidence, but, but you still, you know, um, have to do it. And, you know, getting, getting off that first mountain, which seemed like the biggest mountain I ever climbed, uh, and getting off and having to climb another mountain, that's daunting to, to use those metaphors. And I think that um, already the, the few percent, I think it's like, I think one in 20, I haven't seen statistics, but people who bring a, 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 an idea to reality are, you know, whatever, one in 20 or at best 10%. And so to do it again, wow, the odds are really stacked against you. I think that's a, 
wow. I mean, that was very well said. Thank you. Because um, we, we definitely focus on that, on this feeling. You know, both Dana and I quit our corporate jobs. Uh, you know, as you know, Dana traveled. I uh, left England and, and, you know, had a career break and then had another one. And it, it, you get, once you kind of get over the relief of, okay, well, now um, I can do my own thing. It's, it's like, fuck, it's scary, you know, because you are accountable to yourself. Um, you're, you're your own boss. And, and when you said about it being daunting, you know, to the next mountain, I mean, that's, that's kind of, you know, what we both struggle with knowing how yeah. much effort you're going to have to put in and like, can I do it every day? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I, I was having a good laugh. I was joining you, John. I was feeling inspired on in your metaphors. It's like a hairdresser, you know, they can always give you a good haircut once, but can they do it again? I feel like that's a, always the biggest challenge. Um, yeah. But, but it's, um, it's interesting because like your identity gets wrapped up in that. And then you've also, you've set the bar so high for yourself and now you're saying, can I do it again? And it's almost like you could, you can be your wor own worst enemy. Um, I think you had said like going, when you get to the top of one mountain, you're looking at the top of the next one already. Like where are you going to, where are you going to leap to next? <clears throat> and I thought that was, I thought that was really great, but yeah, it's, um, it's so interesting that identity portion. And when you have to say, I'm going to let go of that identity, like it's almost kind of like it takes some healing, some mourning. Um, and you'd mentioned earlier too about, surrounding yourself like you you're really particular about the people that you surround yourself with and i think it was jim jim ron he was the one that said that you're the sum of the uh the your five closest friends and so when you think about your five closest friends what are if there were any themes between them of like five qualities what would you say those were or just like well, a couple that, of qualities, that, that's a great question and i think that that ties in a move moves forward at combo very nicely in that uh before i had met rich um i had to go through my own sort of issues and that um I, I i i've aged a little more gracefully than when i started when i was young i i had a at least a few moments where i thought i was maybe the smartest guy or the most amazing guy I ever knew, the most talented guy. We all have that moment, you know, when we're confidence, we're brimming with confidence. Uh, my confidence took a beating when I met. I started traveling the world in a good way. I met a guy in Rich who clearly was more dynamic, more techno than me. So all of a sudden, you know, me, the alpha guy, leaves my little goldfish bowl and I start traveling and st start acquiring friends, speaking to your five friends. Now I think I've got more than five, so I'm pretty blessed. But um, so, so the, the, I use the, I, I say it this way, in that uh, uh, traveling the world tempered me. I don't know if it humbled me, but it certainly tempered me and gave me a slightly better perspective. And what I had then, especially leaving Rich, I realized that I had been a good partner and but moving forward i adopted a few mantras one of them was like well if i'm so darn smart or clever um and i've made some money i better maybe keep investing meeting people investing and learn to manage the managers so i didn't want to be so much that icon or impresario uh, maybe i'm impresario in some parts but um basically uh, i can say now in a in a funny but by no means you know completely humble way in that um in my group, I'm the most team-oriented alpha there is, uh, and I've maybe subscribed to the, you know, Tom Sawyer principle of 
finding all these incredible alpha people who are smarter, stronger, richer, whatever than me, all of the above more than me. But I get them to paint my fence and we all find a way to come together. And uh, so I say that in the nicest way. So yeah, I really do believe that um, if you pay attention and you realize your role, uh, you don't always have to be the loudest or lead into battle. So for me, I, I have the tendency that I think I can do anything. But now, as I've found people, it really is the sum of the parts. Um, if, if I have that experience and, and bandwidth and understanding, then how do I bring people together? So I think I've, I'd like to think I've grown. And I think that's certainly part of the reason for me having had more than one success. I've got you know, a few feathers in my cap. And we continue to do that, bring people together and lead where need be, but also mentor and muse. And I, I, th I think, um, you know, we share that in common. We're, we're talking, you know, offline before the interview where how do we inspire, but how do we lead? It's, it's a fine line. It's not that fine line, but it's a, 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 a an interesting and important dynamic um, and, and dichotomy for, for people. Yeah, no, I agree. Business. What, uh, what do you think is the most rewarding part when you're mentoring? What is the most rewarding part for you? Uh, I've, um, I, I, I like when people, um, yeah, kind of blossom. I, I've, I've had some great, um, uh, people, uh, uh, both, both ways. Um, it's funny on a, a purely business level. Uh, and nowadays everyone needs a title. <laughs> when I started, <laughs> I think I might've been president or something at one point. Um, but everyone needs a title and I'm, I'm around a lot of people with C-level titles that, you know, don't deserve it. Like we don't need any title, you know, you don't have to call me your highness or, or someone like this chief grand visionary <laughs> officer or whatever. Everyone needs a glorified title. At the end of the day, um, I'm around a lot of C-level people who aren't C-level people. So that's the frustrating side. Um, the, 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 the rewarding side is when someone really learns um, their, you know, one or two things or just uh, grows and, and rounds out. I've had a lot of friends who I gave maybe a first opportunity. Uh, we grew together and then they, they moved on, surpassed me. Or uh, uh, it's funny how some people keep recurring in your life and sometimes similar or different guises. So uh, we really have built a community. We're now entering our, you know, our third decade. And I, I think certainly in some of the circles with Sherry, uh, you know, we, 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 we've crossed paths numerous times. So mm -hmm. even some of our common friends, uh, for example, uh, you know, Daniel Miller's a, a good, uh, dear friend of ours. And um, he was one of my mentors. I couldn't believe when I first started making it in the world that I'm talking to the guy who built Mute Records and, uh, and all the artists that he had. And he's having coffee with me because he likes techno music. I'm like, you know, I've died and gone to heaven. And yet uh, we, 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 we eventually stayed in touch and he, he did, um, you know, licensed uh, Rich Houghton, uh, the plastic man. And then we, we all of a sudden, as I tried to become more of a businessman, we're talking business. And then we did business. You know, we, he came into Beatport. Um, I had the pleasure to interview him. So it's just nice to be part of that fabric now. Um, but he was so, you know, that's the reverse. He was so uh, kind uh, to me and mentored me uh, where needed. Not a lot, but it's just nice to know there's a hand that comes up. So therefore, um, um, we always offer a hand. Um, and um, after the years, you've seen people kind of, you know, climb a plateau and join you and sometimes climb an even bigger plateau. So does that make sense? So, I, you know, it's, it's a, 
you know, a, a push, uh, not even a push me, pull me, just, uh, um, you know, help climbing that ladder. Um, so it's rewarding when someone occasionally can give you the hand up and you do it. And then sometimes they'll do it to you again. You know, I think it's, that's an interesting point that you brought up about Daniel, because he, you know, having been my, my partner for so long, um, you know, I forgot how much of an icon that he was or he is. And, um, you know, you're still going to the grocery store together and doing things. <laughs> and, and, but when I could see him around um, other DJs, uh, because he has started off on this DJ career, um, you know, I would see like Marcel Detman or, or one of the other big Nina Kravitz uh, techno DJs and, and they would be in awe of him. And, you know, he is, is, a, is a big fan too. So it was, it's nice to hear you talk about you know, how you learn from him and then also, you know, that, that you teach others. I mean, do you, you have, how many kids do you have? Uh, a couple. A couple. Okay. Yeah. So are any of them? Two, the, not the, uh, not the statistical 2.1. I just had two. Okay. So I'm a little bit below the, uh, the average. Then where do you see them sort of going and um, hide <laughs> away from the music industry or? Are they yeah, they both mostly like classical music or, uh, um, I, I, uh, I gave them, you know, a lot of leeway. I did a bit of music with them when they were younger, but, um, um, yeah, they're, they're sort of their own, their own, uh, people, their own men or they're, they're in their twenties. And, uh, um, I, I, you can imagine I'm a, a bit of a, a colorful and, <laughs> and, and it comes with intensity person. Uh, so I was always sensitive uh, to try and not be even more overbearing than I probably am with my kids. So, um, you know, they, they kind of have their own life and, um, it's, it's cool. They do their own thing. They never had to follow in my footsteps because I never followed in anyone's footsteps. If anything, I may have restricted their musical knowledge, but, um, that's fine too. I just didn't, you know, make them do anything that I was doing per se. Um, I let them pursue whatever they wanted. I do. Um, I do like your. You, when I when I hear your whole story, it's interesting how in college you said what was your majors? It was in, in well, statistics. I I meandered through school. I started university at a young age. I was a bit precocious, um, and then I finally got a couple scholarships, and uh, I went full time when I was I think eighteen, and I. Um, I was in electrical engineering and I realized, wow, it was like double the course load. It was actually more applied math. And I realized, wow, this is a lot of work. I was already in lazy mode. You know, if I'm so damn smart, I don't want to do any work in life. Can I pay people to do this for me? I was, you know, I, I was a bit off balance. So then I, uh, but then I also was cursed with becoming the number one DJ. So I, I then actually spectacularly failed, um, out of engineering because I, uh, um, I was above the class average, but I remember the first time I ever failed in math. I think I failed calculus. I think the class average on the midterms was 30%. I got 50, but I was that guy who used to get 100 all the time, but I never studied. So I'm like, fuck this shit. You know, like, and so I, the, the artist in me is like, I don't need to be like a boring engineer and shit. So I took my scholarship money, partied, and then I, uh, I actually um, was asked to take a year off school uh, and my parents are very unhappy. I ended up working. I kept my DJ job, but I ended up working in the factory that my mom worked in a car part factory at the time. Cause my parents were going to give me a real, um, uh, lesson and insight into being an immigrant, uh, working class. <laughs> and, uh, I really, really, uh, was not happy because I, uh, 
when I would interact with people at the factory, I thought that uh, I was maybe smarter than them and I couldn't believe that I was answering to supervisors. So it was a real sort of crucible uh, of culture for me. Then I went back to school because I was pretty good at math and I, I signed up for general, general science because I'm like, I'll take some math courses, get an A and get the hell out of here. I certainly don't want to work in a factory, but I, I had sights on making good DJ money. And my friends at the time, so this is something that, that I don't have the chance to elaborate on when I'm speaking to schools and graduating classes of people who are heartfelt artists or heartfelt entrepreneurs. Like, I have an idea. I want to be my own boss. Uh, I'll figure it out. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. We live in a capitalist world. What do you mean figure it out? Where do you make your money? What are you going to do? Like, where's, where's your savings? So I, my friends in Toronto in 1982, the DJ I took over, um, when we, we, um, was making already a hundred thousand dollars a year. I was making, um, even those days, $750 a week. So I'm making, you know, three, you know, living with my parents. Um, and so I knew I could make a hundred thousand dollars in DJing and DJing wasn't even really cool. It's just that we were in a, a really good um, area and I was also really good at my job. So, uh, you know, I, I was never poor. Um, I was always, uh, luckily, and I, I was aware and that's where my confidence was maybe off kilter and that I was like the number one DJ. Um, and I made a lot of money always. And that's how I bought a studio. Uh, when I met all the other young guys like rich, um, you know, he was 19. He didn't have any equipment. I had a whole studio by the end of the eighties, you know I mean? Um, so, um, I was never a poor struggling artist. I was just a more of a, uh, you know, you know, carefree sort of artist, but, um, I was always aware that I lived in the capitalist world. So my numerical skills served me well. Um, you know, so I didn't jump to the swimming pool as I, I you know, I jokingly and romantically say, I made a pretty calculated risk, even though it was a very high risk. And, and the point was, uh, if I can make 100K a year, uh, instead of then, you know, sorry to jump back, uh, I then decided to focus on actuarial science, which is a bit more specific. And it's as uh, you know, glorified you know, accounting and you know, mortality tables and stuff. Um, so uh, I could either make 100 grand, party my brains out, be life of the party, or move to Connecticut and work in Hartford for a life insurance company. Well, you know, when you're even in your early twenties, I think yeah. um, one is more romantic than the other. But by no means was I ever um, blinded uh, <laughs> or uh, close to being a starving artist. I mean, that's something that's <laughs> lost on people. You know, the yeah. bohemian dream of mm -hmm. oh, life without money is so romantic. Well, no, it's not. I've met a lot of people who, uh, for example, <laughs> uh, we discovered Final Scratch, and um, the the the, um, the guys behind it, Dutch guys, they were more like you know, f you know, freeware. You know, you know, this software should be free. Well, wait a minute, um, that's great. I think you've built something that's going to make the world a better place. Um, why don't you find the right price point? Because if this is free. Um, let me just ask you something. Is the food you eat free? Is the rent you pay free? Why don't I help you find a balance that everyone gets a slice yeah. of the pie? You know, like, you know, socialism is romantic um, until you have to pay your bills. So, you know, I'm, I'm somewhere in between, you know, so I can be that crusty, um, uh, consultant too. <laughs> No, Sorry, I, that I was a long diatribe. Sorry. <laughs> no, that, I think that's so valuable. Everything you just said, because yeah, I mean, a lot of people, they don't take into account <clears throat> the fact that it takes time to build whatever it is that you're building. And so if you can 
do something on the side that, you know, you do hopefully halfway enjoy just to get through that burn rate while you're following your passion or following your dream, that that's, that's some pretty sage advice. Um, <clears throat> and even more fascinating about your story is that the theme that carried you through that you stayed with math and technology, even if it was techno and music, and then you went to technology now in your, um, equity adventure that you're doing now. It's just interesting how you continue to be gravitated or, you know, pulled towards that. And so I think that's kind of interesting too, that there's even things now where I'm like, you know, I was interested in this back when I was in high school and college and I'm seeing things come full circle now in my life. So I just think it's, uh, it's, it's always good to be aware of what you're thinking about constantly. And then, and honoring it too. If it keeps showing up in your life, that maybe it's something you need to be pursuing. And he's so. a realist as well. I mean, it's very, uh, very rare in the artist world to to be a realist and and to have the business mind. Well, so it's funny because in the different circles, so in um, in the more corporate circles, I'm clearly the artist, and in the artist circles, I'm clearly their dad and the conservative guy. Because like I always end up. You know, um, you know, uh, a dinner, uh, artist dinner. I'm always the guy. Like, are you paying your taxes? Have you taken structured your stuff? <laughs> and they're like, "What are you talking about? We got a party." You know, like, I mean, I, I'll always be that serious conversation. Um, but luckily, you know, adding and subtracting served me pretty well. Um, and I think being a little bit older in my group, um, I don't know if it was, uh, you know, I had small moments of, um, I think having kids. I, you know, I had to address my mortality or at least save. Uh, and make sure like my parents had wanted a better life for me. I want a better life for my kids. So it means I better manage my money and not live for the moment and not just um, buy toys and um, have a good time. Life is more than that. It's about, um, you know, thinking ahead. And, and a lot of people also, uh, I've been able to shine bright and re uh, re looking back for some time. Uh, but the reality is when you make it to the big leagues, whether it's sport or, um, you know, whatever level of entertainment, you might shine brightly for that 15 minutes or that year or two or that, you know, very few people last a long time. And often you, you, you get a taste, enough of a taste to get a lot of bad, expensive habits mm -hmm. and you're not around long enough to overcome that. <laughs> um, so um, even I had a great time for, you know, first couple of years. Um, and then you realize, well, wait a minute, let's, let's recalibrate, let's refocus. And, and the, the, the saving grace for Rich and I, we really love music. And, and from one of the first times we met and one of our core tenets was like, we love music and we want to, this is our life. Yeah. And having had that DNA, and when I speak to, you know, having mentioned Daniel, some of my older friends who were there before me or who got on after me, a lot of my friends were still there. Um, they had that common ground and that's also how we gravitated to each other. You know, we've yeah. all had maybe moments in the sun and the spotlight, um, uh, the zeitgeist and that's all good, but we all love music, whether it was trendy or not trendy. It's not why we did it per se. It just, uh, it was in our blood and it happens that we, we catch a wave, uh, just because we love music. People sometimes come and sync with us and they think we're cool and we make some money and we have some hits or, you know, to some degree, but otherwise it doesn't matter. It's not why we do it. Yeah. It has to be in your DNA. You know, that's yeah. definitely a theme in, in everything um, for the entrepreneur world. Yeah. Just like, yeah. like the thing is a lot of people who want to be entrepreneurs are like, well, what's everyone doing? Well, 
I'm going to, I'm going to do a festival. Well, you know, festivals are the new <laughs> golf, cl golf yeah. uh, cl uh, courses. I, I get all my investor friends often, um, you know, friends, with a lot of play tennis, a lot of uh, doctors and dentists and stuff. And they're like, yeah, I just invested in a golf course. I'm like, yeah, did you do that 20 years ago? Cause right now there are like, you know, five golf courses for every, every, you know, 10 people. Um, same with festivals or everyone wants to be a DJ. Like, are you kidding me? Like you just decided like, yeah. don't, don't quit your day job because your DJ number 100,000, like you're not going to make any money. Well, you, you see know? these people like, you know, the Glamorize, the Avicis and the Skrillex and, um, you know, it, it, it's a brand much, I don't know how good they are musically actually, but, um, it's, it's, a. I think it, it gives an unrealistic picture of all the work that goes into being an entrepreneur and, and, and an artist at the same time. Um, I just think just to end on this, um, what's one piece of advice that you would, uh, if you could go back to your twenties and, and give yourself about what you've learned about being an entrepreneur? Um, it, I don't think it's so much advice to myself, but, um, one of one of the many realities, but a simple one that I often um, would leave people with is, uh, it dawned on me that opportunity was always there. Mm. Uh, I maybe never took advantage of it. So um, part of careful what you wish for to people uh, when you finally embark, be ready um, to receive it. So for me in the day, because now I'll, I'll date myself, it was about answering a fax or returning a phone call or in this day and age, returning a message. Um, don't be so distracted and caught up in you, what you think is like uh, the best success ever to not follow up on your opportunities. So once I started waking up in the morning and following up all my opportunities, I, I actually almost, uh, we were lucky. I never had to chase a call. I just had to manage the incoming. And so return and follow up on your opportunities. You know, work hard to create them, but then when they come, if you meet someone in the night or you meet someone at a conference and you got 20 cards, um, if, if you're not busy, then write to 20 people. You know, don't yeah. do the job half done. That is the curse of being your own boss. So I joke that my boss is relentless. He's always looking over my shoulder to be productive. But because I want to be in the music business, I make sure I follow up. So follow up um, and don't, don't go halfway. If you go halfway, um, failure is imminent, you know. That's great. That's so a great just follow advice. up on your opportunities. Really simple. And if you wish for it, then don't complain. You know, like, <laughs> like life is good. You wish you were busy. So do it. I love it. Thank you so much, John. We really uh, appreciate your time this morning. A pleasure. A pleasure. And I look uh, um, forward to, uh, well, I'm excited to be part of the, the program. I look forward to more programs. And I think you guys are doing a, a great uh, um, undertaking. Oh, thank you, John. Well, that's Appreciate just made that. my day. Uh, I'm sure <laughs> Dan's day too. Um, all right. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in. This is Quirky Corporate Chicks and uh, we're your hosts, Sherry Hayes and Dana Foster. Bye-bye. <laughs>